0: we are continuing on this morning in the book of John. John chapter 11. I always have to turn around and look and make sure I put the right thing on there because about half the time I put the wrong chapter on there. So I'm trying to do better. John chapter 11 is where we're going to be at today. We're continuing on our series of miracles in the book of John. While everybody's finding their place, I, uh, before before service usually on Tuesday morning before we go to the apartments or Wednesdays or Sunday, whenever, you know, I usually i am up here just kind of waiting on people to get here. So that's my that's my guitar practicing time. So I would encourage you don't come early because sometimes some of, some people have to hear that. But but Hannah came this morning and I, I'm always happy to see Hannah because she'll sit there and she'll listen to me play and she'll sing along no matter how bad I am. Well, I guess it was Tuesday before last I was sitting up here playing and Mr. Lester got here early and I was playing and I said... I said, I'm going to play the guitar. What do you want to hear? And I started playing. And would you believe, I I played a couple songs. Next thing I knew, he had done got a broom. He was outside sweeping. I had done scared him out. He sat there for a second, and then I think he realized that it wasn't nothing pretty. And he was out there trying to make as much noise as he could. I don't know if that's really why he was sweeping. He might have just been doing a good deed. But I, I took the hint, but it's okay. So, Anyway. That was a good, a good time. So don't come early and then you won't have to be subjected to that, that poor playing. Uh, this is our, our seventh miracle from the book of John. We've got one more that we're going to cover next week and then we're going we're gonna to move along. I think this miracle uh, it's a pretty impactful miracle. It, it kind of it set the tone for, for the end of Jesus' life. Jesus, by the time he had gotten to this point in his ministry, uh, he had done a lot of miracles. He had done a lot of stuff. That we see in the Bible and a lot of stuff that we don 't see in the bible it 's no telling how many countless thousands of people Jesus probably healed during during his ministry. We can only guess we don 't have any uh, scriptural reference to let us know that, but Jesus had done uh, some mighty works he had he had done some of these in front of just various different people that he had encountered. His disciples were no doubt part of many of these miracles uh, that had taken place that Jesus had done. Uh, And you would think that up to this point, Jesus' ministry was probably almost three years long, that in those three years that everyone would have heard about Jesus, would have heard what he had done, and you would think there wouldn't be a doubter in the bunch. I mean, people who, who are blind, people who are lame, He was able to make them see. He was able to make them walk. He was able to bring people back to life who were dead. I mean, he was was able to do so many things. He was able to feed people. He was able to turn water into wine. It's just story after story after story. And you would think that that these people who many of got to see these things, and some of were fortunate enough to experience Jesus speaking a miracle on their life, or Jesus touching them and working a miracle on their life. You would think that there would be no one who would doubt, that there would be no one who wouldn't believe. But even at this point in Jesus' ministry, there were still people who didn't believe. They didn't want to believe. There were still people who wanted Jesus done away with because because of no reason, because of their pride, because they wanted to keep the power for themselves. And here Jesus was coming and he was offering people freedom and he was doing things that were just magnificent and they were not trusting in these religious leaders of the day and they were beginning to turn and they were beginning to follow Jesus. And this miracle kind of takes place uh, toward the end of Jesus' ministry as he's uh, getting ready to go and give his life on the cross. This is a miracle where Jesus... Uh, raises somebody from the dead, but I think it's different from the other, other instances we see of Jesus raising someone from the dead. We see three different instances that I, that I know of. Maybe there's another one that I'm missing where Jesus takes someone who has died and, and, and brings them back to life. But this one is a little different. We're going we're gonna to look at this. There was a, a guy named Lazarus, and he had two sisters named Mary and Martha. Now, these people were, were friends of Jesus. They were, they were people that, that Jesus loved. I think sometimes we... When we read about Jesus, or at least for me, it's easy for me to think of him as, as as being just this wise man who is the son of God, and he's like just this super holy and now creature. But but I think Jesus probably had a personality too. I mean, he was fully human, just like you and I. I think that he probably had friends that he made along the way. I don't know if anybody in here has ever watched the movie The Passion of the Christ, but that's one of the neat things about that movie I like. They have little flashback scenes where it, it shows Jesus kind of cutting up, laughing, having fun with his friends. And, and and in those scenes on the movie, they weren't things that we have in Scripture. But, but I think it opens our eyes to help us remember that Jesus had a, a personal side, that Jesus had friends, that Jesus lived a normal life, if you can say that, a guy who's doing all these miracles. He cared about people. He had people who were near and dear to him. And these people that we're looking at in the text today, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, these were people whom Jesus loved. These were people who were near and dear to him. I'm not going to read the whole text to you because it's kind of long, but I want you to do this. I want you, if you get an opportunity, to please go through and read. You know what? I'm going to read it because God said you need to hear it. And some of you ain't going to go back and read it, so I'm going to read it to you today. I don't care how long it takes. It ain't that long. It's just a few more verses. So we're going to read every bit of it today. And God's going to bless it because he's good. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into John chapter 11. Father God, we come to you now, and I thank you for this good word. And I pray that we would listen to your words today. God, there is so much stuff in this text. There is so much good. There is so much that we can learn from your word today. And so I pray that we would just get it, dear Lord. I pray that as the song was played earlier, uh, that we would come back to the heart of worship, God, because it is all about you this morning. And maybe we've come in here and we've tried to make it about us. We've come in here, we've got our mind on things of the world. And God, it's it's not all about you, but I pray that it would be. I pray that if we have come in here with that attitude that's not made it about you, that your Holy Spirit would change our attitude, that you'd give us an attitude adjustment, God, that that this would be a good day to be in your house. So I pray that you just would help us to listen and, and read along and understand what's going on in this text today. Help us to, to make it through. It's kind of a lot of verses. Help our minds not to wander and get sidetracked. I know, I know we do that sometimes, dear Lord, but help us in these few minutes just keep our minds focused on Jesus and what he's doing here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, The sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, we we get kind of the story and what's taken place there. Lazarus is sick, his sisters have sent word to Jesus and said, look, your friend, the one you love is sick, would you please come? They trusted in Jesus. They no doubt knew that Jesus could heal him. But Jesus said, look, this, this, this sickness that has fallen on Lazarus, this is going to be for the glory of God. This is not uncommon. We've seen this language before that Jesus uh, says, look, sometimes things happen to people and God allows them to happen because God is going to do a miraculous work through those things that is going to bring glory to him. But what's odd is Jesus' response. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, He said, it says that he waited a couple days before he went. Now, I don't know about you and I, but usually when we hear somebody is, 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 is deathly ill, especially if it's a family member or a dear friend, our first response is we want to go there immediately if we are at all able to do so. But Jesus kind of tarried for a little while. He didn't immediately go there, and we know why he didn't go, because it tells us that in the verses before. It's because God was going to do a mighty work through what was about to happen So Jesus waited a couple days, so it had been a while before Jesus actually got there. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again. Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble, because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. So again, we, we see what's taking place here. We see this language that Jesus said that Lazarus had fallen asleep. That's a common term. Maybe sometime you're reading in the text and it says somebody has fallen asleep. That is oftentimes referring to that they have passed away. And the disciples were confused. They said, "Well, if he's asleep, he'll he'll be okay. He'll wake up. He'll get well." But Jesus said, "No, no, no. He's dead. He, he had to come out and tell them exactly what he meant." And so Lazarus had died. And then Jesus says, look, but I'm glad that you guys weren't there. I'm glad that we weren't there because you're going to see something awesome, and you're going to believe when you see what's going to happen. So again, Jesus kind of reiterating what we see earlier in the text. That is that this, that this thing that seems like a tragedy and a great loss, which it is for those friends and family who are there, God is going to use it for something miraculous. We've talked about this some over the last couple weeks, and the same is true for our life. There are some times in our life where God does something that is, that's a tragedy, that's heartbreaking, that we don't feel like we'll ever be able to get through or to get over. But what we need not forget is the same God who, who used things that we wouldn't think about to do his, accomplish His will and His glory back in those days is the same God that we serve today. And sometimes God allows bad things to happen. Sometimes God allows tough things to happen. But oftentimes for us Christians, God does that so that it will bring glory to Him, so that it will cause us to seek Him, so it will cause our relationship to be uh, better with Him. God can use the worst situations and do them for good. And God did that in this case, and God does that sometimes in our lives as well. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go so that we may die with him. Now that's an interesting verse right there. He says, well, he had already told them the disciples said beforehand, if we go there, they're going to stone you, they're going to kill you, because they tried to kill you before. Why in the world would you want to go back there? And Thomas says, well, let's just go back and die with him. Now I don't know who Thomas was talking about there. This is, kind of, this is kind of up for debate. Some of your translations will have him capitalized, implying that it was Jesus. Uh, some will leave it lowercase, implying that it, was, that it was Lazarus. It's hard to tell in the original text exactly who was being talked about there. It could be that they were saying, if we go back, we're all going to die and we'll be dead just like Lazarus is. So we're going to go back with you, Jesus, and we're just prepared to die. Or it could be that they were saying, if we go back with Jesus, he's going to get stoned and we're followers of him, so we're going to get stoned too, so we're just going to go and die with him. I don't think it's really super important as to which one Thomas was talking about there, but the point was the same, and that is they were going into a dangerous, a deadly situation, and even though they knew that it was dangerous and they knew that it was deadly, they were still willing to go. They were still willing to stick by Jesus. They were willing to go back into the danger zone, into the war zone there. They were willing to go back in where it was hostile, and they were willing to stick by Jesus. Do we have that same attitude that Thomas has? Whenever God presents us with a situation that may bring us kind of into the danger zone, that may put us in a place that we may not want to be, that we don't desire to be, but maybe God calls us to. Because if God calls us to something, he's not going to abandon us to it. If God calls us to minister in some way or to go to some person or to go to some place, God's not just going to say, all right, I'm sending you and you're on your own. You've got to fend for yourself. That's not what God does at all. If God sends us somewhere, he is there with us. He is there to strengthen us, to guide us, to lead us and show us in what we should do in service to him. But how many times are we willing to stand up and make that stand? You see, we see Peter in the text. Whenever they come to Peter when Jesus was, was uh, they, were getting, they were arrested him. And they were getting ready to take him to crucify him. And they said, hey, you knew him. You were with him. And Peter wasn't bold enough to stand up. He said, no, I don't know him. I ain't have nothing to do with him. You got me confused with somebody else. And sometimes, sometimes we're like that as Christians. Sometimes we take a Peter approach. Sometimes we say, hmm, when it gets tough, when it gets scary, when it puts us in a position where it may inconvenience us or or, or be hard for us to do God's work, we may kind of shrink back and say, hmm, no, I don't don't think I'm ready to make that stand that I need to make. Mm -hmm. And we miss out on God doing a good work through us sometimes because we're not willing to have that boldness that we should. We should have that Thomas approach here where he said, look, Lord, I know what we're going into. It's going to be bad. But we're going to stick with you anyway. We're going to stick with you in the midst of of this difficult time. And they, they felt like death was probably going to be the end of this situation for them. When Jesus arrived, verse 17, When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she, sent, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now, we, we see a little bit of faith there. We see a little bit of faith. She knew that even though that Lazarus had died, it seemed as though she still had the faith to believe that Jesus died. Could heal him if he so desired to do so. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said, I don't know, excuse me, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? Now Jesus kind of gets deep right here. She says, look, I know that there's coming a day. She had faith. She knew that there was going to be a resurrection day when those who trusted in the Lord would be raised. But Jesus was, he was, he was telling her, look, I am that way that that happens. It is through me that this resurrection takes place. It is through what I am about to do on the cross. Jesus knew that his time was getting short, and that he would soon give his life. And he was saying, look, I am the resurrection. Jesus said, "Look, anybody who believes in me will never die." Now he's talking spiritually here; he's not talking bodily. Now, unless Jesus comes back, it's, if if we're on this life long uh, on this earth long enough, our life will eventually end, and our bodies will give out, and we will pass away. We will die. That's that's part of life. None of us can escape it. I know that there are scientists who are working frantically to try to come up with all these things to make where people can live forever and ever. Well, I got news for you. I don't want to live forever and ever in this world. I mean, look at all the worlds, uh, the wars, and the fighting, and everything that's going on. I do want to live forever, but with Jesus, not with all the sin that's going on here. So when Jesus says, "Look, you'll never die," he's not talking about here on this earth, but what he's talking about—if you believe in Him, when you die on this earth, you will live for all of eternity. And so he, he was kind of—he was kind of setting the tone there. He was kind of letting them know what he was talking about. Let's read a little further. Yes, Lord, she said to him, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as she heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. So they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. Now we kind of get a little clue as to what's going on there. When Jesus first came into town, he didn't immediately go to the house. And he didn't immediately go to the house. We see why in the verse earlier. And that is, last time he was in that area, they tried to stone him. He had met Martha at a place away from the house... And and Martha went in secretly to tell Mary that Jesus was there. Why? Because there were other Jews there. And it was many of the Jews who were trying to kill Jesus. I believe that she told Mary that because they wanted to come out and be able to meet with Jesus without there being a big to-do. But the Jews who were there followed her. They thought she was going to the grave. They were trying to go and console her during her loss. And so they went, and here was Jesus who had arrived onto the scene. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they asked him, come and see. Jesus wept. Now this is a this is a good this is a good <laughs> Portion of this text right here. We see in the verse we just read, and then the verses to come, that Jesus was angry in spirit. Or some translations would say he groaned in his spirit. And Jesus was was groaning in his spirit, and and he was weeping here. And this is this is good for us to think about. We don't we don't know why Jesus was weeping here. There are many there are many reasons as to why Jesus could be weeping here. Jesus could be weeping because. Lazarus had died. He was a dear friend. He could be weeping because Lazarus had died. I don't believe that Jesus was weeping because Lazarus had died because Jesus knew that he was about to bring him back to life. So I don't know that Jesus was weeping because Lazarus died. Maybe he was. But it says that he was angry in the spirit or he groaned in the spirit. And I think that's a good clue for us to help us understand what was going on there. It could have been that Jesus was was angry because of sinfulness. It could have been that Jesus was angry because that somebody he loved was dead as a result of, of, of sin. Not that Lazarus had committed any certain sin, but just sinfulness in general. That is, that we are all, as humans, uh, sinful human beings, and we will all suffer death. That's the punishment for <coughs> sin. It could have been that Jesus was angry that things had worked out this way and that sin had to exist and that death had to exist. It could have been that he was, he was angry and, and, and he wept because of the people there. Because of all the miracles that Jesus had done, there were still people who didn't believe. There were still people who had appeared as though they missed what Jesus taught. They missed what Jesus did. They missed what Jesus was preaching. And their faith was still not what it should be. It could have been that Jesus wept because he knew that upon doing this miracle that it was only going to escalate the situation. That the hatred for him was only going to grow. And that he knew that his time was getting short. I don't know which of those it was. It could have been a combination of all those things. The text doesn't tell us that. But what we do see here is a very human side of Jesus in these texts. And that is that Jesus wept. Jesus was was heartbroken over something. Whether it was sin, whether he was grieving with his friends because they were grieving whether he was grieving for, for everything that was taking place, whether he was grieving because there was a lack of faith in him and who he was and what he could do, Jesus wept. And I think it's important for us as Christians to know that there may be times in our life that we need to weep. There may be times in our life that we need to weep over those that we love, who are sick, who are dying, who have died. There may be times in our life where we have friends and they've lost somebody that they love. And we just go and hug them and just cry with them. Don't have the words to say. There are, there are really no words to say. You know, I think the best thing when somebody passes away is just hug them and love them. Just be there for them. And that's what Jesus was doing for his friends here. Perhaps Jesus was just weeping with those he loved because they were sad. And he was sad because he was their friend. Sometimes as Christians... We need to weep with our friends. We just need to hug them. We just need to love them. We just need to be sad with them when they're sad. As Christians, there are times that we need to weep over sinfulness. Maybe Jesus was weeping because he knew it wasn't supposed to be that way. He knew that people weren't supposed to die. He knew that that, that those people that we love, God didn't desire that to be that way. And here sinfulness had come in and messed it up. There may be times in our life, Christian, non-Christian, if you're in here, that you need to weep over your sin, that you need to realize how serious your sin is. It's a a serious thing. It's not just a a little thing. You know, we we do that. We like to label sins, and we like to say, well, I may be doing bad, but I'm not as bad as as him or her. I'm not doing what they're doing. I'm just doing little stuff, and God can overlook that. That's... That lies is okay, or this is okay, or that's okay, or I can do this, and, and this is okay, and I can act this way. But that's just a little thing. And we take sin lightly. But God never takes sin lightly. God never turns a blind eye to sin. Sometimes we think of, of, of God as being like just kind of a, a loving old grandpa. You know, like, like, like the mama says, hey, don't you kids eat any cookies out of the cookie jar. You're going to ruin your supper and Grandpa sees him over there reaching in there, and he just kind of winks out. lest the little kid go in there and get the cookie and eat it. It's our little secret. It's okay. I know you're not supposed to. And I think sometimes we, we look at God with that Grandpa mentality, and that is that sometimes God kind of gives us a wink and a nod. Uh, you're not supposed to do that, but go ahead. You're not that bad. You haven't done too much bad. You go ahead and you, you have a cookie. But see, that's not how God deals with sin. That's not at all how God deals with sin. You know how God deals with sin? He sent Jesus to die on the cross. That's how God dealt with sin. You know what the other alternative was? That God could deal with sin? He could have poured that wrath out on you and me. Those were the two options. God could have punished us for our sin, or He could have punished Jesus for our sin. And He chose to punish Jesus. You see, God doesn't take sin lightly. And we shouldn't take sin lightly. There may be times in our life where our sin is weighing us down and we may need to go before the Lord and we may need to weep over our sin and say, Father God, I have gotten so far off track. I have sinned against you so greatly, Lord. And I'm going to tell you what, you'll feel a lot better. When you repent and you go to the Lord and you weep over your sin and you give it to Him, I'm going to tell you what, He'll lift that burden off of you. He'll bring a joy into your life and He's the only one that can do it. There are some times in life, Christians, that we need to follow what Jesus does. We need to weep just as Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Jesus could have, to answer their question. Jesus could have kept Lazarus from dying. But guess what? There's a miracle that the Lord is going to do through this. There is a reason why Jesus waited. Then Jesus, angry in himself again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decayed. It's been four days. Some translations may say he already stinks. The reality of it, he had been dead for four days. I believe that that's why Jesus waited those couple of extra days it's very likely that Lazarus was dead but by the time that Jesus got the message if it took a day or two for the message to get there Lazarus very likely would have already been dead before Jesus would have got back even if he would have left immediately but Jesus waited for a little while and I believe this is why so that the body could have been in the grave for four days there was no question there was no doubt that Lazarus was dead Some of these other people that that Jesus healed, they had just recently died. But in this case, it had been four days. He was already stinking, as the people there had noted. And Jesus was about to do a miraculous work. He was about to take a guy who was dead. There's no way you could say this wasn't a miracle. There's no way you could say, well, maybe he really wasn't dead. Maybe he was just sick. Maybe he was just asleep. Maybe Jesus really didn't heal him after all. There's no way that anybody could deny what was about to take place. Everyone knew Lazarus was dead. But Jesus stepped into the scene. He was about to do something miraculous. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God... So they removed the stone, then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so they may believe you sent me. There were still people who didn't believe. Of all that Jesus did, he still wanted to do a miracle to bring glory to God so that those who were there could see and that they would believe that Jesus was God's son. We don't see Jesus praying in this text, but he does say to the Father, you have heard me. Obviously, Jesus had prayed before this point. And Jesus says, look, you've heard me when I've already asked for this, and you always hear me. And that's a good reminder for us too. There may be some in here today who are struggling with God. You may not have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you're wondering, does God hear you? There may be some in here, you're Christians and you're going through a difficult circumstance, difficult situations, and you're praying and you're praying, and it doesn't seem like things get better, and you're wondering, does God even hear me? God does hear you. God was listening to Jesus. God listens to us when we pray to Him. God may not always do things as quickly as you want. He may not do things the way you want, but God hears. So you continue to Make your request known to the Lord. You continue to bring these things that you're struggling with to the Lord. He is hearing you; it's not falling on deaf ears. And know that He will respond. Maybe not the way that you wanted to, and maybe not when you wanted to, but know that God hears you. <clears throat> Verse 43. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Now I don't know about you guys, but that would have been pretty cool. Could you imagine a tomb that had been sealed for four days and all of a sudden Jesus comes onto the scene and he speaks the words and Lazarus comes out of that tomb all twisted up looking like a mummy walking out of there. Can you imagine what Lazarus thought? wonder where Lazarus was those four days. I don't know. Maybe he was, he was in, a, in a heavenly place. Maybe he was in paradise. And now all of a sudden he's got to come back to earth. I don't know. We can only speculate there. But can you imagine what it would have been like to be in that place at that time and see a dead man walking? He was no longer dead. He had been brought back to life. He was four days gone. It was hopeless. He was dead. But Jesus restored him. Jesus gave him life. And you know Jesus can do the same for you and I. Some of us in here may be dead as can be. And you say, I'm not dead. I'm still breathing. No, we're talking spiritual. You see, our sinfulness, we are as dead as we can be if we are living in our sin and we haven't accepted Jesus Christ. You are dead. (laughs) There's no hope for you. You're just like Lazarus laying four days dead in the tomb. If Jesus hadn't intervened, there would have been no hope for Lazarus. He wasn't going to raise from the dead on his own. He wasn't going to be restored on his own. But when Jesus came, it changed everything. And the same is true for you and I. You may be dead in your sin right now, but I got good news for you. Jesus can restore you. Jesus can make you alive again. Jesus can make you a walking miracle. If you'll live. You've got to ask Him. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe. Even Jesus said that in these verses. Do you believe? I've told you I can do these things. You know what I can do. You've seen what I can do. Jesus said, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is God's Son? The same man who walked on this earth a couple thousand years ago and did these miracles. Heal these people. Raise people from the dead. Do you believe in this Jesus? Because he's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can cover your sins. You can't do it. You can't be good enough. You can't come to church enough. You can't pray enough without Jesus. If you hadn't said that prayer to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins, you're hopeless. You'll die of your sins. And you'll be judged for your sins. But if you trust Jesus Christ, if you believe in Him, accept Him, when that day comes, you'll be judged based on what Jesus did. And you'll receive the grace that only He can give. Jesus is still in the miracle business. Jesus can change your life today. What's our response? to Jesus when He speaks to us when He wants to do a miracle in our life do we accept Him or do we reject Him there are some of you saying well I need to see Jesus do something I need Jesus to answer this prayer I need Jesus to work in this way and then I'll believe Him well you may or you may not but the Bible never says alright believe in God when He does something for him. you know, the Bible says trust in Jesus because of faith Because seeing is not always believing. There were a lot of people in this day and age that saw this miracle, that heard this miracle. A dead man, for four days in the grave, brought back to life. And do you know what the Pharisees and many of the Jews did when they heard this good news? you know what their first response was? It wasn't, let's go see Jesus, let's go worship him, let's go see Lazarus, let's go, I just want to touch him, I want to see this guy. You know what they did? You know what they said? Go home and read the rest of the chapter 11, the next next chapter or two. You know what they did? They said, we got to kill him. we got to kill Lazarus. And we got to kill Jesus. What in the world? You know why? Because they were proud. Because so many of these people in this day... They had power. They, were, they had all these burdens they put on the people. They, they, they made the people do all these different things. And they had power and they had pride because they were in control. And Jesus come and he took away their control. He gave people freedom. He did things that no one had ever seen before. And instead of accepting him, instead of submitting to him, they said, well, there's only one thing we can do. We've got to kill Lazarus again and we've got to kill Jesus. And you have the same decision to make that these people in Jesus' day had to make. Have the same decision to make. You can be in your pride and you can think too much of yourself and you can refuse to submit to Jesus. And you miss the blessings that He wants to give you. You can miss the forgiveness that He wants to give you. Or you can have the faith that Mary and Martha had and so many others that we see in the text had. You can have the faith that Jesus was just who he said he was and his grace is sufficient for you. You have to make the choice. But I hope you choose Jesus. Let's pray. God, I come to you today and I thank you for this good text. We've got a lot of stuff here. so much good stuff, dear Lord. Help us to examine our life and know the things that shouldn't be there, the things that we need to change, dear Lord. Maybe there are some things that we just need to to weep over. I pray that you break our heart over our sinfulness, God, if there's something there. I pray that you'd help us to be there with our friends and those we love, dear Lord. I pray that you would help us, dear Lord Jesus, to recognize who you are. I pray that you'd help us to recognize that your ways are... Often different than our ways. And your time is often different than ours, God. It was not this story. It is in many stories in your word. But God, everything you do is always for your glory. It's always for good, dear Lord. So help us to remember that in our life. The things that happen that we don't understand, that we wish would be different. God, that you put it into motion. God, that what you're doing is, is for your glory. is for your kingdom. God, I pray that if there's... Some in this room today, maybe they're still doubting you, Lord Jesus, that they would come to you, that they would recognize the miracles that you've done, not just the ones that we've read about, but the greatest miracle, which was you, Lord Jesus, to give your life for, for each one of us. If there are some who haven't recognized that and haven't given their life to you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to them today, that you would touch their heart, your Lord God, that they would come to you, that they would seek you, That they would not be those who reject you, but they would be those who would submit to you. That they would not be those who miss you, dear Lord Jesus, but they would be those who know you, have a relationship with you. So tug on their heart today, dear Lord. Help them to make that decision, if there is a decision to be made. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.